Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to everybody who's watching online as well. And uh, welcome to today's, today's service. This is a great week. We've got Alpha starting on Wednesday night, and uh, if you've never taken it, you can go ahead and sign up for that today and uh, bring a friend. Come on out Wednesday night, find out what it's all about. We look forward to that. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. There's a wonderful story in Scripture about Jacob and his relationship to Laban, um, who's his boss uh, and a relative. Uh, his father-in-law was his boss. You gotta know there's a little tension going on right there. But, um, but uh, you know, he wasn't a great guy to work for. He changed his wages uh, quite a few times. Didn't always change them in the right direction. Uh, things like this would go on. Anyway, eventually the story concludes where Jacob is like, you know what, I just need to get out of town, go have my own life. I need some distance from this guy. And um, so he's negotiating with Laban to say, well, I need to take some of the flock that I've worked so hard for, uh, how about I take, you know, the spotted and speckled ones, you, you have all the rest, and he's, okay, we can do that. Genesis chapter 30, though, in verse 37, we pick up on the story, and it says this, Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the water troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. And when the flocks were in heat, they came to drink, they mated in front of the branches and they bore young that were streaked, speckled, or spotted. What took place in this portion of scripture would happen here is actually a picture of a life principle of what goes on in our lives today. What the animals were focused on by way of those branches that had been peeled and the speckles and stripes, etc., on the branches was what they produced in their offspring. What Jacob did with the sheep and the goats models a life principle that works in our lives today as well. The message is simply this. Your life produces out of what you are focused on. Your life produces out of what you are focused on. Our lives are being directed by our strongest thoughts and our strongest feelings and beliefs. What's in your forefront of your thoughts and your heart is guiding what is coming out of your life. Our lives are lived out of how we see ourselves and therefore how we see the world around us. You act in a way that is consistent with your view of life. The life that you are producing is coming from the thoughts that you are constantly thinking about, those, those thoughts that are, are deep within you, that are always there. So, so the question becomes this, what is in front of you? What's in front of you? What is at the forefront of your thoughts? What, what is it that you see about you? What, what is it that determines your thoughts, and your beliefs. 
What do you see? Or maybe we could ask it this way. What are you producing? Because that'll say something about what you're seeing. The life that you build is coming from your focus. And so it can be all over the place. There can be so many things that people see. Maybe for you, all you see is just a fear of lack, a fear of going without, a fear of not having enough. Maybe that's producing in you a workaholic lifestyle where you just have to be over and above all the time. Maybe it's producing in you even a hoarding or a stinginess. You're not generous. You're not free to be generous because you're so afraid of lack. Maybe what's in you, maybe what you see are problems. Maybe that's how you look at your life. You just see life as just one problem after another. Just everything has a problem to it. I got problems at work. I got problems with family. I got problems with friends. Everything I do, I just see problems everywhere. And it produces in you first exhaustion, but also just anxiety, just worried about everything going on in your world. You know, maybe what you see is failure. You just look in different areas of your life and you see what didn't work, what I tried that didn't go forward, what, what dream I used to have that didn't happen, what expectation didn't get fulfilled. And if all you see is failure in your life, after a while, you can just feel stuck. You can feel like, well, I guess nothing will ever change for me because this is what I see in my life. Maybe you're a person who all you see is obstacles. You know, you just look at everything in life and the first thing that stands out to you is what's in the road. And so you might look at your career and you see obstacles to it doing better. You look at your family or your marriage. All you see is obstacles. Well, this won't happen, that won't happen. People try to suggest things to you. And here's the thing. If all you see is obstacles everywhere, then you'll find yourself being a person full of excuses. Because you just look at life like everything is an obstacle and now I've got to create in me the excuse for why I can't go forward, why I can't change, why I can't do better, why things won't work out. Why? Because you just see obstacles and it generates excuses inside of you. Maybe you're a person who just sees disagreement, just constantly disagreeing, disagreeing at home, disagreeing at work, disagreeing everywhere you go. You're just constantly in disagreement and it just produces strife. You're like every relationship scenario has strife that is happening in it because all you see is what you can't agree on rather than what you could agree on. Maybe you're a person who looks at life and all you see are needs. I just see needs at home. I see needs in myself. I I see needs in work. I just see needs everywhere. And, and out of that just comes a sense of just discouragement because it's like you can't kind of feel like whack-a-mole. You know, you just go, oh, I met that need and another one came up. Then I met that need and another one came up. And after a while, it just gets discouraging because all you see are needs that you're trying to meet. Well, that might be you, but hopefully you're on the other side. And we're gonna talk about how to get there on the other side. But, but maybe you're that other side of it where in your life, what you see is vision for your future. That's what God wants you to have, isn't it? You just see vision. You just see, I just see good things coming my way. I just believe great things are gonna happen with my career and my family. I believe God's got his hand on my life to use me, to make a difference in this world. I've got vision. And because I've got vision, I've got clarity about my life. 
I don't live in a fog. I don't live confused. I don't wonder what my next move is. Why? Because I've got vision. I see vision. I live with clarity. Come on. Maybe you're a person who just sees agreement. You work with people, be it at home or work or church. You just see what you can agree upon, what you can unify around. And because of that, it produces great harmony. Wherever you go, you just bring that unity. You bring that harmony. You see agreement. Maybe you're a person who sees gratitude. It's a good way to live, isn't it? With everything going on in your world, you always find what you can be grateful for, what, you, what you're not gonna complain about. Instead, what you're gonna be thankful for, what you're gonna celebrate in life. And, and so your life just carries an atmosphere of appreciation because everywhere you go, everything you do, you just see what to be grateful about. You just carry a, a vision of gratitude That's what you see in every situation. Maybe for you, what you see are accomplishments. You're just looking for the next hill to climb, the next mountain to move, you know, or whatever it may be. You you just see accomplishments coming in your life. and, And because of that, your life is full of faith. It's full of confidence. You're looking at what you're gonna conquer next, what you're gonna change next, what you're gonna build next. You just got a vision to accomplish things in your life and your life is full of confidence and faith about those things that you're gonna do. Maybe you're a person who just sees possibilities. This is a great way to live, isn't it? Whatever you get into, what you see are the possibilities. You see the what can happen. And because you're a person who just sees possibilities, there's a creativity about you. You know, when others might be saying, I don't think we could make a difference here. I don't think we can change things. I don't think there's hope. But you're a person of possibilities. And so because of that, you get creative in a way to fulfill those possibilities that you see. Hopefully you're a person who sees your future in a positive way. The Bible talks about seeing yourself with a a future and a hope. And so you live with that perspective that God's hands on your life, there's a great future for you, there's great hope for you, and that's how you live your life. But you know what? If all that you see in life are things like your fears, if that's the way you look at life, if this is what you see, it's just, I just see fears. I I just, that's where my head goes. Here's what'll happen. You'll constantly be making choices to protect yourself from fulfilling your fears. And so you're going to be that person who always plays it safe. You, you never take a risk. You, you don't ever challenge yourself. You don't ever stretch yourself. You're just going to define yourself in a nice, safe little world. Why? Because of your fears. You don't want to see them fulfilled. It, it, I don't want the possibility of experiencing the pain of what I have feared coming to pass. So you're going to make choices that will limit you that will confine you, that will keep you from your real potential. Why? Because all you see is fear. Maybe you're that person who looks at life and you just see it. life as something that you are worried about and you are anxious about. You're just always worried. You're just always stressed out, always fussed up about whatever it is that's going on. And so what do you do? Again, you're gonna make choices that will limit your life in such a way that your worries and your anxieties will not come to pass. Here's another way that 
too many people see life, and that is they look at their life by looking at others. In other words, comparison. That's what they see. When they look at their life, they see their life in light of how somebody else is doing. They see their position in life by how somebody else is positioned. They see their blessings in life by how somebody else is living blessed. They, they look at every aspect. They see their family compared to somebody else's family. And they're always making somebody else's life like some kind of ambition, some kind of standard, some kind of goal to reach out for. Listen, God never called you to live somebody else's life. He called you to live your life. Come on. God never called you to fulfill somebody else's calling. He called you to fulfill your calling. If God needed two of them, he'd have made two of them. Instead, he made one of them and one of you, and you're supposed to be you, they're supposed to be them, and comparison should never fall as, as your trap and shouldn't be how you look at life. But if you look at life by comparison, then you're gonna create a false hope and a false standard to live by, trying to become the world that they're living in rather than embracing the world that God has you in. Sometimes people's view of life is coming from unhealed pain. And, and because of unhealed pain, every, everything they see in life is because of that that they have not healed. That's what they see. They see their pain, and now they see everything else in life coming from that unhealed pain. Some are dealing with unresolved issues. Because those issues haven't been resolved, their judgment is clouded. They, they just, they don't see accurately about their life. And the reason is, is because they've got unresolved issues. And so it clouds their judgment. It clouds their ability to be able to deal with things in life. For some, it, it, it's coming from maybe a circumstance that they grew up with. And in that circumstance, it created a way of thinking about their life. And so they see their life in view of a circumstance they grew up with. Maybe it was an absentee parent or something like this. And, and now everything that they see in life is coming from what they grew up with. And that's their view. That's how they see their life. The circumstances of life have created a way of seeing themselves and seeing the world around them. I can remember um, a lady in our church many, many years ago, far enough back, you cannot guess who it was. But um, she was gossiping and attacking uh, me specifically. Um, so I just had a meeting with her. I just, I just asked her, I said, what have I done or what was I doing that was wrong? And she said this, nothing. Nothing. Couldn't think of a single thing. You see, the issue wasn't what I did but what I represented. And she had to deal with or had not yet dealt with the pain of growing up with an alcoholic father. And so me being an authority figure, that is spiritual father, if you will, triggered her past and let her prejudge and accuse and all the rest of it and just go to that negative disposition not because of what I'd done, but because this is how she saw the world. 
This was her vision of authority and leaders and all the rest of it. She couldn't see reality because everything she saw was being seen through her pain, through her pain. That, by the way, is why we have freedom groups, because we need to deal with our pain so that our past doesn't determine our future. We need to deal with our pain so that we don't keep seeing something we shouldn't be seeing and then it confusing what we should be seeing. That's what they're all about. Maybe that's something you're gonna get involved with uh, this semester, and if not, another semester, because they are so, so helpful. But here's the question. What do you see? What do you see? I would hope that what is in your vision and what you see is a great future. I hope that's what you see. I hope you see a great future. I hope you see the purposes of God for your life. I hope you see the blessing of God for your family. I hope you see growth happening in you as a person and in your potential. I hope you see yourself becoming all that God wants you to become. I hope you see yourself overcoming uh, the, the things that you're facing in life. I hope that's what you see. I hope you see life with confidence and faith. I believe that's what God wants you to see. That's the kind of vision he wants you to see. I, I hope you see good things for our church. Come on. I hope you see that. I, I see greater things for this church. I see a future that honors the past but is moving forward with our future. I see a greater harvest of those coming to Christ than have ever come to Christ. I see healing, health, and wholeness for people's lives and for families. I see a unified church focused to minister Jesus to our city. I see a generous church always ready to meet needs and expand. I see the church being a place of life, of joy, of refreshing, for people who have lost hope, as the scripture says, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord, not I was sad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Come on. Now, what Jacob did is often what needs to happen in our lives. And that is, we need to be intentional when it comes to what shapes our thoughts and the beliefs that are in our heart. We, we need to decide what we're gonna see. Our thoughts are to be chosen and judged, being intentional with our thinking. Being intentional with our thinking. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are taking every thought captive. In other words, you know, we don't just let everything that runs through our head set up camp. You know, it's kind of like temptation. A thought can run through your mind in a random manner. However, they should be judged. They should be discerned and not treated as valid or assumed as valid. Not every thought that runs through your mind is valid or true. Many thoughts are just trespassers. That's really all they are. And they have no right to stay there. And you have authority and the right to say no to them. The reason for this can be many sources. Obviously, we always like to choose the easy, easy one. The devil did it. But there are other things that happen in life that can cause our thoughts to be the way they are. They can be our fears. 
They can be our insecurities. They can be our ambitions. They can be stress in life, things that uh, make us weary in life. We just, we just get mentally tired. Uh, others around you, things that they're saying, our emotions. There's so many sources of thoughts that happen in our life. And out of sources like this, there can be a whole bunch of thoughts about yourself that you feel are like maybe confirming your needs, your hurts, your, your wants in life, but they're not true. They're not true, nor should you live by them. Just because you think the way that you think about yourself or your life, listen, or somebody else for that matter, doesn't make it a valid thought. So we are to take thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. That is, we are to use God's word and what he says about us as the standard for how we think and how we filter our thoughts. It's to be a filter for our thoughts. What you believe about you and how you think about life and your future needs to come from his word. This is the only reliable opinion and guide to our thinking. If our thinking about ourselves is in conflict with what God says about you, how many know it needs to change? It needs to change. And until we embrace who God says we are, we won't live as God says we should live. So think about it. What does the scripture say about you? What do some of the scriptures say about you? I don't think I'll give you any of the references. That way it'll give you homework to go look them up. But there's all kinds of wonderful things that the Bible says about us. And, and, and here's the problem. Many times our thoughts are saying something counter to what the Word of God says. They're saying the opposite. For instance, the Word of God says that you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Come on. You are more valuable than sparrows. Jesus said, listen, I don't know why you're so worried. God takes care of little birds that are here today and gone to more little birds. How much more would he take care of you? Jesus says, you are my friends. You are my friends. I hope you see yourself as God's friend. I hope you see Jesus as your friend. You are my friends. And in John, he also says, you're already clean. He has cleansed you. He has made you right with God. You are, you are justified before the Lord. Uh, in Romans, he says, you're not under the law. You're under grace. Let me word it a little differently. You're not under God's inspection. You're under God's approval. Come on. You're under God's favor. You're under God's favor. In Corinthians, it says, you are, you are in Christ. That's where you are. You are God's field, God's building, you are the temple of God. You are God's household. And I love 1 Peter where it says this, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. Nobody goes before the Father in prayer for you. You can go yourself. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession. Come on, how many know you are loved and valued by God this morning? That is who you are. That is who you are. You are called 
You are chosen. You are anointed. You are filled with the love of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are well able. You are a witness of the resurrection of Jesus. You are empowered and you are gifted. If this isn't who you see yourself as, you have work to do. And you need to carve out some branches in front of, put them in front of you and meditate on them and look at them and allow this to speak to your heart and change the way you see you. Don't be passive about a skewed vision of your life. You're, if your vision is out of focus, the good news is this, you can adjust it, you can fix it. Just because it's been that way for a long time, oh, maybe you're one of those people. You know, I've always been this way. Well, I've always thought this way about myself. I've never thought I could ever be this. I never thought I could ever do that. How many of you know something? Just because it's been that way for a long time doesn't mean it has squatter's rights in your mind. Time does not trump truth. And instead, we're to go to God's word and we're to paint a new picture of what we're to believe about our life and believe about God's work in our life and his future for us and how he wants to use us and all the rest. We're to, we're to get the, the word of God in front of us, just like those branches were in front of those sheep and goats. And we're to meditate on that and let that change what's on the inside. And when we change what's on the inside, it'll change what's being produced out of your life. Just like Jacob took the time with poplar sticks to make stripes and put them in front of sheep and goats. We too need to be intentional about what goes in the forefront of our thinking. We're not carving out sticks, obviously, but we are carving out wrong thoughts by using the word of God and letting it speak to you about you. Be aware, be aware of the default of your thoughts and be intentional with your thinking. You know, we all have a default. We all have a, like a, a place where we can find ourselves going um, in our life, where, where our, our head just goes to a place, uh, perhaps, you know, out of emotion or out of pain or, or out of offense or out of words that have been spoken by others or even limitations that we put on ourselves or others or just wrong expectations, even out of ignorance, even out of these. But, but we have to choose our our thoughts over our wrong emotions. How many know wrong emotions will speak to you? Come on. How you feel about something, how you feel about someone, how you feel about experience, they'll speak to you. It'll put thoughts in your head about you, about them, and they can all be wrong. It's just emotion. And instead, we have to be intentional to choose the right thoughts over wrong emotions. And so we have to address pain and offense and all, all the rest of it but don't allow it to lead us. We're to act in accordance with where we're going. We're to be future focused. What's in front of you? What are you circling back to? What do you go back to meditating on and thinking about? What, what becomes the default of your thinking? Where does it go all the time? What image have you held that you need to let go of, that you need to address? You know, the things we go through in life can just create ways of, of thinking about our life. And, and yet God says, listen, just because you went through something, just because you think a certain way, doesn't mean it should stay there. That God's work in our life is to heal us, restore us, and it changes how we see ourselves 
and how we see him and how we see our future. You go through trauma, all you see is drama. Come on, that's what happens. You go through offense, all you see is mistrust. You just, I can't trust people. I, I had this experience. This is the way I feel. You go through some limitations in your life. Now you just relate to the world with unrealized potential. Not gonna go there. Maybe it's poor self-worth. And so you're always compensating for that. I don't have a real good health esteem, healthy esteem. I don't have good self-esteem. I don't have good self-worth. So what am I doing? I'm living my life in view of my poor self-image, trying to compensate by being that person for everybody. Always being there. If you need me, I'll say yes. I'm stressed. I don't have time, but I see my life in light of my poor self-image and now I got to do all this stuff to compensate for it. Hmm. You can live out of these things. You go through rejection. What do you got to do? Prove yourself everywhere. Man, it's a burden. It's a burden to carry a wrong view of your life and then try to compensate for it with your choices and your actions. Listen, and here's what's worse about it. To win the approval of people when Jesus has already given you the approval of the heavenly father. So any wonder Jesus said, why don't you take my yoke upon you? It's light and it's easy. Go through personal failure. Got to try to look like a success. Look at what we don't have. We become discontent. Now we got to try to work for something that we think if we had this, it'd just be great. That's how some people look at their life. They look at their life in light of what they don't have. And now it's like, if I can just get this in my life, if I can just have this, if I can just live there, if I can experience it, man, it'd be so good. You know, it even happens in marriages and stuff. Single people are thinking, man, if I just get married, when I get married, oh, it's gonna be so good. All those people laughing. are married people. <laughs> we just think, oh, life is going to be so easy, so, so bliss, so wonderful if I just get married. Then you got married people looking at their single friends and calling it the good old days. It wasn't that good. You just have a bad memory. You just have a bad memory. Well, this one, this one's really troubling. It's like you're looking at your marriage and you look at somebody else's marriage and, and you think this, this deceiving thought, if I just had a different spouse. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to tell you how to have a different spouse. If you start acting like a different spouse, you will have a different spouse Not because you changed your spouse, but because you changed and then the spouse changed. I think you got that, but I needed to put that in there. It's like, if I act differently, God's going to give me, no, 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 don't, don't screw up on, on that. Okay, that was for free, moving right along. You know, we talk about this thing about looking at our future in light of our past. This is totally what took place with Israel. Israel's going into the promised land 
You know, they've got this great future ahead of them. And, and uh, you know, Joshua and Caleb were like, yay, God's got the promised land. We're going in. He's well able to give us this land. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. But the rest of everybody else was complaining and negative. The rest of everybody else, what was in their mind? What were they thinking about? They were thinking about 400 years of slavery. They were thinking about constant disappointment. They were thinking about unanswered prayers. They were thinking about when their hope was deferred. They were thinking about the oppression they lived under. And now God was telling them, it's a new day. It's a day of hope. It's a day of promises fulfilled. It's a day of prayers being answered. It's a day of the fulfillment of dreams. But they couldn't see it because all they could see was where they had been rather than the promise of where they were going. They were stuck in there yesterday and it was sabotaging their tomorrow. They were living in the negative default of their life. Listen, pursuing wholeness isn't just a good idea. It's certainly not optional. Pursuing wholeness is absolutely necessity, an absolute necessity to the purposes of God. It's a necessity for your personal life, for your marriage, for your children, and for your future. It is not optional to live in what we've been through when God says, I wanna heal you and take you to a promised land in Jesus' name. Let's stand as we take time to pray and close and move forward. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Father, I thank you we are not stuck in our yesterdays. And Lord, where we may have seen our thinking be in contradiction to your promises, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in our lives. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking those promises of God, taking the declaration of Scripture, the things that you say over us. Lord, may they go deep into our heart. May we change our default out of negativity, out of defeat, out of just a, a wrong expectation and missing the mark. And Lord, I thank you for changing the default on our thinking that in times of pressure, in times of challenge, we lean into your promises. We say, it's a good day anyhow. God's on my side. We're gonna win with this in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, as you change our hearts and change our minds, that we can align our lives and live out the amazing future and purposes of God that you have for our life. With their heads bowed, I wanna pray one more prayer, and that is an amazing, life-changing prayer. It's the prayer where you finally say, I'm no longer keeping God at a distance. I'm no longer keeping God kind of out there. I'm opening up my life. I'm allowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm following Him with all of my heart. I'm gonna embrace him, walk with him, do life with him. Listen, you're not called just to be a believer. You're called to be a Christ follower. That's where the life is. But in order to follow Jesus, there has to be a decision of surrender on our part. God's already provided the way. He's done everything for us through the cross, his death, his resurrection. And now the decision is in your hands to say yes to Jesus and follow him. With their heads bowed, I wanna pray with you. But I wanna ask you first, how many here would say, Pastor, you know what? Include me in that prayer. Today's my day. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus and follow him. Can you just give me a wave wherever you are? This is my day. Thank you. Thank you. Any others? This is my day. Include me in this prayer. I'm ready to follow Jesus.
Let's pray with those who are praying this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life for my life. I ask you to forgive my past and I invite you into my world confessing you as my Lord and my Savior and I'll follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for making me a part of your forever family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.